Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeremy Kubacek. And I'm Steve Cockrum. Hello, Steve-o. How you doing, bro? I'm doing very, very well. We've recovered from our heat wave here in London. We had 40 degrees with no air conditioning. So, of course, as you can imagine, the climate change uh, people have been going, this is the future. But it was obviously two days of heat and the entire British infrastructure comes to a standstill. Uh, rail tracks melt, planes won't take off, roads melt, schools close. Anyone would think that anywhere else in the world has never dealt with uh, 98 degrees of heat. But, uh, yeah, that's been the big news in England this week, cataclysmic heat crisis. Well, we've had it here too, right? So uh, the hottest summer since 1937 in, on record and um, unbelievable. But you know, the difference between America and the UK <laughs> is – they said 86% of Americans have air conditioning. And they, they said in the UK, I think it was less than 12%. I think that yeah. was the number that I heard. And yeah, that, we, that makes a difference. <laughs> we, we build our houses to keep the heat in because most of the year it's cold and wet and miserable. So, but it's only ever for a couple of days. To, uh, and, of course, with the cost of electric at the moment, putting in air conditioning, um, is not only expensive, but probably expensive to run. So we are mm-hmm. back to a balmy 21 degrees today. The disaster has been averted. And, uh, yeah, but you guys are still at 100 degrees, I hear. Oh, yeah, time. we've got another uh, – we have another 10 or 8 days, I think, of it, except for me. I have the privilege of going to Alaska this afternoon. Wow. And so Will and I are heading to Alaska to do our six summers uh, father-son retreat and uh we've got i think it's 60 degrees 50 55 to 60 degrees for a week so it's was, a nice was that reprieve. The one where, where you sent a video of you with that bear chasing you last time yeah, yes one. yes that was yes. so cool oh we're now going to denali and so we're going okay. to mount mckinley which is the highest you know highest mountain in, in the, the in america so wow um, yeah well, you're gonna land on Oh, sorry. Yeah, tell me. No, so we're going to land on a glacier. So we fly in literally on a glacier plane and land. And we've got all these wow. cool experiences, taking kids through five voices, taking kids through five gears. Just really, really, really fun. I love that. I've been playing nurturer in chief. You'd be very proud of me. I've been channeling, channeling my 30%, my fifth voice. Uh, my wife, Helen, had a, a back operation three weeks ago, and I've been in charge of domestic arrangements, ferrying the children bless, around, cooking. Bless them. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> I, to be fair, I've done, it, I've done it as well as I could have. I don't know how anyone is a long-term carer. If you do this for a living, then you have my utmost admiration. I think as a pioneer, I've been able to do it for a short period of time and hopefully to do it well enough to get public affirmation for my sacrifice. So that's basically <laughs> the way that... Most pioneer connectors do do public service. Why don't we bring the girls in and let's do a live ranking <laughs> per per child per girl and just see what they think? Megan, Charlie, like, what do you yeah. really think? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think I'll be all right. Short term, I can do anything short term, Jez, as you know. It's the discipline, consistent follow through over months and years that is slightly more of the problem for me anyway. I know, I know you're, well, you're much we, better than I. No, 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 no. We want, we want the best for health for sure. So, well, yeah. um, all right. So there's a lot going on. And all of you listening to our banter and just talk about, you know, UK, US. But when you think about leadership around the world, it's unbelievable. The world needs better leaders. The world needs consistent leaders. It's just we've been saying this since 2013 over and over and over again, is that we need liberating leaders, leaders who fight for the highest possible good of those they lead. And, you know, there's there's some conundrums. There's some issues going on in both the UK and the US. Let's start with the UK and then we'll come back to the US uh, for all of our listeners, it, where are you all at at this season? Gosh, well, we're in politics. Just seems to get more interesting. I, I know that a lot seems to happen. We, we've just basically um, removed um, the most successful prime minister in terms of an election victory since Margaret Thatcher. So Boris Johnson won a majority with eighty seats, which was really a mandate to do pretty much whatever he wanted to, and. Uh, in the end, his his party have removed him from power um, because of basically um, integrity. People in the end got um, nothing to do with policies, nothing to do with anything else, or an election even, just this belief that in the end um, that he'd lied too many times and that actually he was caught out too many times and that in the end, I think people came to the conclusion that here's a, here's a guy who everyone acknowledges is one of the most gifted politicians of his age, a phenomenal orator and an amazing campaigner. So from a competency point of view, you could say Boris is a perfect politician for the, the new media world, but his character in the end has caught up with him. And I think once people believe that you don't think the rules are for you, so we've ended up with a character issue which has created an integrity gap. And some would say it took too long. Others would say it didn't take long enough. But actually, the Conservative Party have removed Boris Johnson because basically they believe he's telling lies. Now, most other political systems in the world look at us and go, you must be mad. But that's something about a parliamentary democracy, which is at the centre of our unwritten constitution, which effectively says if you mislead the House or if you um, in public office, there are standards of integrity, which without which our democracy doesn't function. So. Yeah, very interesting. The two candidates who are going to replace him, nowhere near as charismatic, nowhere near as gifted politicians. Very interesting on economic policy, but that's probably for me as a nerd rather than you. But that's a really interesting leadership moment, Jez, where a leader has been replaced because of their character and integrity issue. Nothing to do with incompetence. How, how does that What's going on in the, the world with you guys over in the U.S.? Yeah, you know, uh, they tried that once in the U.S. with Bill Clinton, and uh, the character piece, and then it, it didn't really, I mean, they still allowed him to get through. So it's an interesting, it's a little, probably a little different, obviously, in mm. the U.S. and the U.K. in that regard. Um, you know, what's so fascinating about the, where we're at in the U.S. is it's actually, uh, the, the Democrats have had power. Um, the, the, they've had the House, they've had the Senate, and they've had... And, and, you know, the, the White House. And so the interesting thing is they're right now an issue of age. How mm. old, how, how old is too old to lead effectively? And it, it's a really great question. You know, you think about mm. uh, founders, a lot of the companies that we work with and giant, 
Uh, there's the founder issue. Uh, when is it time? I'll never forget one. I took, uh, I took an older chairman and his young CEO son-in-law on a golf mm -hmm. outing. And on the 19th hole, we basically had a conversation to go, it's time for you to release. You've got to let go. <laughs> and, um, but the, it, you know, here in the U S from an elected official, when you elect someone who was already the oldest president and he still has two and a half years, there'll never mm -hmm. be anyone who's served at this age ever. He would be 82 uh, when all wow. is said and done. And so, you know, a COVID, he just, uh, Biden just got a uh, COVID. And so that then puts another scare with two and a half years left on his term. So I think the, I think the U S is in a really fascinating place of, understanding the democratic republic of like how it works i think the populace mm -hmm. doesn't understand that we have mm -hmm. local leadership we have state leadership and federal leadership and it's all a checks and balance so one person or one group can't just take off and rule the roost and um you've got the craziness of trump and the the, the kind of older age of biden and by the way trump is right behind Biden in age. He's, so yeah. it, it's just, uh, I think probably everyone's kind of in that era of like, yeah, we're kind of tired of both. Can we start mm -hmm. over? I don't know. That's my, that's my, my thoughts. How, how would you, I'm going to put you on the spot here and go, if you think yeah. of the character versus competency issue from the outside, it would look a little bit like Trump's policies on the whole people, well, I know you, quite liked his pro-business and did some quite astute things, but character-wise was a challenge. Biden appears to be, from what people are saying, it, it's, is he actually competent enough to, to do the job? So talk a yeah, little bit about that kind of in American sort of history, is the competence versus character. How's yeah. that playing out as important where you're at? I actually, uh, from Trump, you know, you know my views. I wrote a book, Humble for President, uh, back in the day of going, can you imagine if Donald Trump became president? So I'm not a fan in that regard, but I, I, but the people he put in place were really mm -hmm. smart. I mean, really, really competent people who made some really, they kind of turned the dials here and there and they really got our economy straight and humming and then COVID hits. Mm -hmm. So, which wiped out every, you know, economy in the world as they're trying to figure that out. So yeah, it's a character issue for sure with Trump, with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, on on Biden, um, it is a competency because what they're saying is, who's writing his scripts when mm -hmm. when it's appearing? And both sides are saying this now because you know he'll put a teleprompter and then he reads what he's not supposed to read. Uh, he, so he re read read this line again and he read that line, and so then people are going, well, who's behind the teleprompter? Which then it, it it casts doubt, right? I think it's the same thing with Trump. There was doubt on on character from the very beginning. From from a Biden, it's mm -hmm. competency. It's just doubt. And when there's doubt, we, there's always, no trust. Yeah, we we've often said that basically uh, most leaders we know hire for competency and fire for character. Yeah, that actually be amazed how many people think they've recruited a rock star. And then find the issue is a character issue. It, it's an interesting one to ask the question, you know, if you're leading and appointing people to positions, I sometimes believe it's easier 
where people have a solid character and a commitment to learn, actually it's easier sometimes to train them in competency is than to train someone who's highly competent in how to be a person of character and integrity. Mm -hmm. But it'd be interesting to hear from uh, people in various social media feeds whether they whether they would agree with that, whether they've got examples of that. But we could we probably need to move on, I think, don't we? Because I know Tracy's usually uh, got questions that people have sent in, which we're very grateful for. So, uh, Tracy, if you've got a question for uh, us to ponder today, I'll let Jeremy go first because I'm humble for president, obviously. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, so Renee from Charleston, South Carolina, is saying, generally the nine managers I lead are highly motivated, but lately because of some budget issues and layoffs, my team is dragging and more apathetic than I've ever seen them. How do I lead them well during this time of uncertainty? Yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, I just I just spoke to a, list, a number of dads. I had uh, ten dads, and I was going through, and I had a similar issue with one of them. And I explained to him, and I was saying to you, Renee, it's again control what you can control. What's your role there in the organization? And people are looking for lights. They're looking for leadership. They're looking for people who have the energy and can catalyze. Um, and so do you see, do you believe in the vision? Is your leadership role clear? Do you believe in the values of the organization? If you believe all those things and you, you've hit uh, a hard spell, this is where leaders shine. It's called resolve. Mm -hmm. And this is where you roll up your sleeve and you communicate and you get clarity and you step up and step in. And so if you're in a position of authority where you can do that and really show it, or even if you're just an employee that can really, um, you know, make a difference, then that's what the organization needs. It's just like a great war movie when you see uh, they're kind of pinned down or they're uh, dragging and the leader steps up and like, let's go, let's go. And then they start moving. And it's that, that example um, that we need more of. We need more, Renee, of you stepping in to liberate and have that resolve with some energy. Those are my thoughts. Steve? So good. Uh, I'd say I'm into all those. But, Renee, I think I often say to people, it's, there's a difference between leading uphill and leading downhill. Um, and that actually, when you're driving a car going uphill, it's you've got to do a lot more of the work. Downhill, you have to control the speed at which you move. And when you hit economic challenges and people are not getting the rewards, they think they are, you're having to lead uphill which basically means you have to be more determined than ever to be the example, as Jeremy said, for your team. And what usually happens is people get more tired going uphill, and they usually need a clear understanding of where we're going, why we're going there, and what the reward is going to be. So we talk a lot in, in Giant, one of the tools about developing leaders go, you have to commit for the fight for the highest possible good of each person in your team. You have to think about what they need from you right now, and that may just be some honest challenge that you know this is reality and this is where we're going and then the the third one is to go do you know what the next level looks like for them so in a sense vision is a really important thing to be casting when you're going uphill because everyone goes are we nearly there yet when's it going to get better again when are we go over the top and leaders often are the ones that go to people this is where we're going this is what the future is going to look like it's going to be worth it and ultimately most people are looking for leaders who will be for them in the midst of that uphill slog. So this reason we love the Sherpa analogy, reason we wrote the book about the 100x leader is to go, the leader's going uphill. Everest is really uphill. 
actually have to not only do their own job, but they go and check the ropes, they check the they check kind of the ladders are in place. It's much harder to lead uphill when you've got people who are tired and weary and bleating. But that's usually, as Jeremy said, where you distinguish yourself, Renee, from everyone who's just average and where they start to bleat like the people they're leading. And it's almost like you have to determine that you are not going to be a conduit for gossip. You're not going to be a conduit for negativity. You're actually, as Jeremy said, if you believe in where the company's going and what it's doing, you have to take the difficult decisions. You have to own them as if you've made them. And in the end, people respect that who follow you. But interestingly, the people who lead you will see you doing that. And that is incredibly attractive when the company's going uphill or in a difficult place. So I uh, wish you well, Renee, and hope those two things are helpful for you. Well, it's good. Well, as always, we like to have guests on the Giant Leadership Podcast. And our guests are people that we know, they're clients, they're uh, business leaders, they're guides, they work with us as partners. Um, today, we kind of got a mix of both. Um, we actually mm. have uh, we have a Brit who lives in Oklahoma, which is interesting. Her name is Sophie Preston. She's the director of training. For OMES, you can explain what OMES is. Sophie, welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. How are you both? We are grand. So good to see you, Sophie. You too. So I I had the privilege of lunch with Sophie while she was over on a UK adventure recently. So uh, you you have the the best of both worlds in the sense that you live in God's own country, according to Jeremy. But (laughs) Help me understand, Sophie. Give our listeners a little thought about how did a Brit with a British accent end up in Oklahoma? Obviously, it's the metropolis that everyone heads to when they emigrate. But <laughs> tell the listeners, how did, how did you end up in Oklahoma as a Brit and happy there? Uh, this is where I say that I've been putting on a British accent the whole time, right? Uh, <gasps> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it's, it's quite a good story. Um, it's a 10-year-long fairy tale, but I'll try and condense it for the listeners. Uh, basically, I met a fella in a nightclub, uh, a fella that turned out to be um, the opposite of me, right? The opposite ways of thinking. So uh, what my dominant tendencies are, are actually his kryptonite and vice versa. And we basically, when we met, decided that we wanted to see what would happen next. And it's been quite magical, the type of magic that makes 5,000 miles not seem too far from home. Uh, So I'm out here living the dream um, with someone I love very dearly. And we've had a son uh, who's actually just turned four. So uh, it's quite an exciting time of life for us. Uh, It just seems to get better and better. So, Sophie, you your background was in the police world, right? I mean, you were you were in, in the police force in that regard, and, and kind of growing up in that. And now you're doing you're the director of training for the state of Oklahoma. So, explain that, and then um, talk about what's happened and and what uh, and how have you been using five voices from a state government perspective? Because a lot of times, a lot of people who are on here might listen as uh, business owners, uh, but when you start putting it into the bureaucracy of what, 30,000 people, is that right? Talk about that with us. Yeah, so I've always served in the public sector uh, my whole working life. So it it did start 
serving in the police force in England um, to various law enforcement in America, which was a fantastic shift of perspective, something that I was very naive to, uh, but very grateful for that experience, um, to now uh, where the team that I direct serves, like you said, the 30,000 employees of Oklahoma. Um, our, uh, our agency, OMES, which is the Office of Management and Enterprise Services, the mission is that we serve those who are serving Oklahomans. So essentially, we serve the 100 plus agencies that are actually kind of on the ground serving Oklahomans. So as you can imagine, someone with a working life in public, uh, in serving the public, I love that mission, serving those who serve Oklahomans. So there's really a couple of things that I contribute to where we are now as a team, a team of learning and development, and who I am now as well. And the five voices is something that we brought to state government in a time that there was a lot of change happening. And I think for many people from the pandemic that we've been through and the political changes that I know you've been talking about as well, it's been an uneasy time. And the curriculum of knowing yourself to lead yourself digging that little bit deeper into self-awareness and then applying very practical tools uh, to your real life situations has helped people exponentially. Um, but a couple of things that I want to talk about. The first is, from my perspective, privilege. Okay, I understand uh, the positive bias that many people have towards British culture, apart from on the 4th of July, which of course is the one day right. a year where no one talks about my accent, right? I get a day off, <laughs> uh, which is quite nice. Uh, I'll definitely celebrate that, right? Um, I'm not about to take that level of influence for granted. Privilege has an antagonistic connotation these days, but by definition is a special right. And it's one that can be shared, but by someone who has it. So this team that I lead, I share privilege with, every day and you get to watch it like dominoes it's a fantastic experience if you get the opportunity if you have the privilege try and share it because when you watch organizations like dominoes instead of fearing that privilege was going to be taken from you they realize that it can't be and actually you can just share it and your privilege doesn't go away when you do that you get to watch the impact of organizations and cultures so we start with our team. We start with what we can control. And then we watch as that team start sharing it too. They're empowered to do so. And then we start seeing metrics change, um, employee satisfaction change. And it's just been a really wonderful experience. And we did all that using the tools of Giant. You know, I spent years researching and looking for all the best leadership practices and things that I could share to the world. And I'm really grateful that y'all did it for us, right? <laughs> and wrapped it up into a really nice package that we can use. Um, can you give an example of the engagement scores you talked about? Like what, yeah. it, what was it to what is it? Oh, and you put me on the spot. So what I will say is we used four of the quite a few questions that were on the statewide engagement survey. And we used four that specifically talked about things like um, inclusion, communication, um, adequate um, access from the leaders. And we looked at where the schools were, which were about 60, 
so average, as we know, that's a general score that many organizations get in a 60% range. Um, and we predicted, and obviously my palms got a bit sweaty, we predicted that we would be able to move the needle um, three to 4%. Now, what ended up happening was there was an area with communication where we moved it 8%. So we actually hit the target in all of those areas and then some. Um, and to have done that in such a short period of time, you know, I love a bell curve and I like to talk about, I want to make maximum impacts in a short period of time. But it's really hard to do that when you're dealing with humans. When we were able to do that, it gave us the momentum to say, wow, we've got the metrics now, we've got the validation, people are really believing in this too. Let's see what else we can do. You know, the door is open now, we're going to walk through it. Amazing. I remember you, Sophie, telling me a story about, because um, some of them are quite cynical and have seen it all before, and in some of the correctional institutes, you were saying there hadn't really been a vast amount of development had gone in, and that actually to see that happen in prisons and correctional institutes, I think that was, give us a little inspiring story of where you were an agent of liberation in that particular, in that particular part of our world, which I think often tends to almost be forgotten at times. Yeah. I love that. I love this question because I've got so many of those stories. Um, I've almost been keeping a, a note of, of when they happen and what happens because yeah, the first question you asked me was, you know, Brit living in Oklahoma, how, how did that happen? And I end up thinking it's divine intervention because too often I get these experiences where I was supposed to be there at that time to liberate that person. And in prisons, when you work with um, offenders, you're they're in crisis, right? And you can't really understand what they're experiencing unless you're in those, uh, when the, the gate shuts behind you and you hear that clunk and uh, you're in there for eight hours, but they live there. Um, and when you're able to bring some of this wisdom and knowledge into that space, um, you understand a lot more. You come out of the gate understanding a lot more. And the, the thing that I wanted to mention as well was our team has got to where we are because of the experience I've had in trauma. And I, I definitely want to bring this to this public platform that we have because I'm not saying people should experience trauma to become influential. I'm saying my experience with trauma, whether it be my own trauma or whether it be serving those in crisis. That's helped me to gain an understanding of human psychology. Um, that's extremely important when you're talking about leading the public sector. I, don't, I can't speak to private, but I can speak to public. And what I know in Oklahoma is that we have ACE scores, which is adverse childhood experiences. We have ACE scores that are higher than most places in the nation. So that means a lot of the people we lead have had rough experiences growing up. You need to be able to understand that to a level that allows you to lead. That's so good, Sophie. I think there's nothing more encouraging for, I'll speak for Jeremy, certainly for me, that sometimes, you know, because of the nature of economics, we often end up working with uh, some very, very able people at very senior levels who are highly paid and highly rewarded. And I think sometimes that some of the stories certainly that, that catch the most are in the places where it's almost like very little development investment really happens, how how practical Giant is and just people getting their voice and just a little bit about a little bit of self-awareness sometimes of what goes on. 
I love it when we hear the stories from schools and when we hear the stories from, you know, prisons particularly, because you kind of think they're the places where there's not a lot of development of people goes on there. I know Tracy shared on her own experience of just helping in a, a woman's prison. And I don't know why there's something about the fact that what we have isn't just, it's for everybody. Everyone can benefit from the fact that tools are simple enough that educated children can use them. And I love it when you see the light bulbs go on for people who often think I'm not good enough for that. So, hey, forgive me my melancholy moment, Jess. Jump in. Come on. No, 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 no. It's good. Uh, The the last thing, and as well, in this piece of our our podcast, but uh, Sophie, you know, for you, obviously, you've bought in to the ideas of the, the tools, you and your husband. Uh, so how are you, what are you doing to stay fresh? What are you stay, doing to really stay healthy yourself? If you think of 100X, you can't give what you don't possess. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing in that regard? So this is where my connector tendencies want to do a sales pitch for the Peloton, right? <laughs> but the reality is when you understand what you look like at your most immature self, and you can identify that each day, when you're like, ooh, that was immature, that was unhealthy, uh, that was accidental. When you can meet yourself there and make that switch, the more often you do that and you feel the impact and the outcome of being able to make that switch, you then have that motivation to keep doing it. Um, And Jeremy, you once said to me when I was asking for advice, you said, I can't put unstable people in front of other people. And I believe that. So for me, I have to work on my best self to be in front of other people. It goes with the other question that you asked, that I'm not going to take that influence for granted. I've got this platform of influence that I am honoured to have. Um, So I I feel like I really need to do it some justice. Um, And you said that to me, but when I was 19, 20 years old, and I was trying out for the police force, I ran the fitness test and I wasn't unfit by any means. But the chap who was um, taking the time, he said, I wouldn't want you running to my backup. And most people think, wow, that sounds really harsh. But the reality was in that moment, I wasn't the fittest officer that I could have been to be able to run to the backup of my fellow brothers and sisters. And I took that to heart. And I thought, well, I would want somebody very good at their job to be able to help me in my time of need or my time of crisis. So I actually owe that to the public to be able to be the best that I can be. And I've taken that into everything that I do to make sure even as a correctional officer in a maximum security prison in Oklahoma, that I'm being the best correctional officer that I can be for that person who is in their time of crisis, living inside of a prison, you know, without their family and without all those creature comforts that we all um, get to gain from. So I think even if you're employing someone to do your finances, you hope that they do numbers well, right? I do not. I have to, uh, you know, definitely employ people for that. Um, But I want to show up the best that I can in those roles. Um, And my hope is that, Others have that same intent. Well, excellent. Sophie, thank you so much. Steve, any last thoughts there for her? No, I I think kind of um, you're an inspirational leader. I love the fact that people have a chance to hear your heart 
when you're with you, you you live, eat, and breathe what you do. And I've always said that, you know, if a connector is healthy, they live an integrated life. Who yeah. they are, what they do, and what they say is almost out of the overflow of what they're passionate about. And you're, you know, you're a great example, I believe, Sophia, being somebody who lives that life of integrity, that who you are and what you say and what you do is the same thing. And that goes a long way and probably ties into where we started the conversation about where leaders can be competent, but where they lack credibility or integrity, it's very, very hard for them to lead um, at the level they should. So thank you for being that example and thank you for, for being willing to share with, um, and it's great to hear the public sector represented in, in the giant world. We don't hear it perhaps as often as we should do. So really appreciate you taking the time today. Absolutely. Can I leave you with a funny story? And it's a story that really relates to um, what Jeremy said about uh, the advice he gave to the um, person with the question, which was control what you can control. So I spent years as an accidental connector, as we all do when we find our voices, right? We're a bit accidental. We find our voices. We can make that switch to intentional. And I was telling my husband, the uh, resident guardian in our household, I was telling him about all of this and the impact it was having and the outcome that I was seeing in my life and the change it was making. And he said, yeah, yeah, a bit skeptical, bit skeptical. You know, he, he loves me. He likes to see me uh, being happy and enjoying my days. Um, and then I realized that even though he was my husband living with me, it was a little bit out of my control. And what I was going to do instead was just do me in that space. And when I did that, wow, this force in our household uh, kind of came to be. And he was able to, without the pressure of a connector saying, come on, come on, <laughs> come on this journey with me. He was able to, in his own time, uh, meet me where I was at and see the uh, value in that to the point where uh, my husband is um, uh, this really big, beautiful black man and he's covered in tattoos of bears from all across the world from his time in the military. He came home one day and I knew he'd got a new tattoo. And he said, this is for you, Ma. And it was the word intentional. But, and I knew at that point, if you've got a guardian to tattoo the word intentional on their body, I think you're doing pretty well. And I realized at that point, it was now within my circle of influence. It was now within my control. And since then, we've just been um, oh, this awesome. intentional life together. So, Well, go. Steve and I always talk about tattoos and getting tattoos on our knuckles yeah. or different places. <laughs> but now we get to li live vicariously through him yeah. with that tattoo. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, Sophie. Well, thanks for being with us. Yeah. Thanks, and, thanks for uh, having so, so grateful. Um, wow. So cool, man. Isn't that fun? She, she is great. such a light. And yeah. uh, she's having so much influence. And here's mm -hmm. the thing. If those of you listening, one person can make mm -hmm. an unbelievable difference in a family and a team. In this case, in the state of Oklahoma, her attitude, mm -hmm. her consistency, her drive, and she's just leveraging what we have. And in so mm -hmm. much so that she's also, she's speaking at other conferences outside of the state. Mm -hmm. Um, just helping them as well see what the state of Oklahoma has done. So you take one person with 30,000 people and you can start seeing a difference. Isn't that neat? That's amazing. Do you have a final thought for us, Jess? Uh, well, uh, go ahead. Go go for it. I just I just spoke you, and then I'll, I'll finish it up. Oh, well, finish it up. 
I think kind of um, I often say to to this one back to sort of senior leaders and go, this concept of integrity, character, competence. I always say if you stand in front of every person in your organization and tell them about the vision, mission, and what you love most about what you're doing and where the company's going, how many rows back are really listening? Because most most senior leaders have an issue, which is either there is a a competency issue where they go, Steve's a good guy, we really like him, we really think he believes what he's saying, but we don't believe it bears any resemblance to reality. So in that instance, I have, in many ways, a credibility issue. They think I'm okay, but they're not sure that my competence is high enough. But worse than that is when they listen to me as the leader and they say, we know Steve doesn't believe that's true. <laughs> and what he's saying is not true. And therefore, we have a character issue. And therefore, there is an integrity gap, not a credibility gap. There's an integrity gap. And I always say to leaders, and I always try and do it myself, to imagine and go, if I'm being honest, where's the challenge for me right now? Because none of us are perfect, by the way. We would love to think we have zero credibility gap and zero integrity gap with our people. But it's one of those ones which is another great sort of lens to go, where, what's the growth look like for me? And the thing I'll always say is, go. you can always work on competency. You can always work hard at the skills. You can apologize. You can reverse. You can go again. But integrity is very, very hard to win back. So when it comes to being a person of truthfulness, a person of character, and a person of integrity, that's the one that I always say to leaders, you have to keep working at that one. Because the moment people don't trust you, and the moment they think you're not telling the truth, you end up in a scenario where no matter how gifted you are, you'll never be able to exert the influence you have. And that I wish I, wish I could have told that to Boris um, to see change. But that's where you see someone who was incredibly gifted in the end fall because in the end he was not prepared to discipline character and we end up with an integrity gap. So use the example. I always say make different mistakes than the ones that you see other people make. If you're in danger of doing one of those things, then um, see this as an opportunity just to reflect and think, what, what would it look like for me to become more a person of integrity and more a person of credibility as well? So that's my, that's my slightly sobering final thought, but I've been thinking a lot about that myself in terms of what we've seen over here in the UK right now. Anything you want to add, Jess? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say this, and this is really a connector here. So if you saw Sophie... Uh, if you met her before, she was horrible. No, I'm joking. She was amazing. She was a, a, <laughs> she was amazing before. But what yeah. happened was um, she just, you can feel it in Sophie's life. She was transformed, liberated, uh, free mm -hmm. to be her. But it was a process and a journey of her knowing herself, leading mm -hmm. herself, and then having the understanding of her superpowers and then doing mm -hmm. being activated. And now she's multiplying and what's so fun is that that is a journey. It takes one, two, three years to really get there. So here's the really the, the encouragement is do something. Uh, if you're listening to this and you go, I want, I need to be free to be me. I need some liberation. I need to actually step in to know myself. There's a journey and there's a process. That, um, the five voices is a great place to start. Uh, but if you're really interested in go, you know, I want to do this inside my organization, like Sophie, she's a catalyst. She's an internal, she's like a catalyst on steroids, a professional catalyst where she is basically uh, helping lots and lots of people experience this. But you could also become a guide if you want to do this full time, if you're a consultant or a coach. 
So the beauty of Giant is you can add it to your world. If you want to do a little bit, great. If you want to do this or if you want to go all in, it's up to you. Um, and that's the beauty of it. So just go to giantworldwide.com. Take a look. Watch some of the videos. Um, Sophie is just a great example of someone who's maximizing her influence uh, in a large level. So that's it. Well, good to see you, Steve-O. Wish you the best. Thanks, I'm off to Alaska. I've got my, uh, I've got my, all my wet gear. We're going to be fishing yeah. and uh, building things, and it's going to be fun. So can't wait. Watch out for the back. bears. Hope I make it back. All right, you all. <laughs> I think you do as well. See you later. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Cheers. Bye-bye. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.